I'm Scott Matasato, the owner of Eau Claire Hometown Media. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to our podcasts that are done by locals for locals right here in the Chippewa Valley. And if you like podcasts, why settle for listening to one done by a person from, I don't know, Baton Rouge? Listen to somebody right here in your backyard. When you're done listening to this show, I recommend checking out Eau Claire Is Here, a podcast produced by three local individuals who share stories of living in our wonderful community. And they bring along guests as well. Just head to echometownradio.com and click on the Eau Claire Is Here logo. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Have a Scoop, presented by Ramon's Ice Cream in downtown Eau Claire. It is always a good time for ice cream, and the weather's getting warmer here in the next uh, several weeks and months, and people, of course, have ice cream on the mind. We'll talk a little ice cream, but this is also the podcast where we get to learn a little bit more about the people, the organizations that make this a wonderful community to live in. Let me bring in uh, Caleb, the Baroness of Local Ice Cream. Uh, here she, she's, she's flying solo today without uh, Blaine, but she's brought along a couple of great guests. And I know you've got a, uh, some great things going on at Ramones as well as we move through spring and into summer. Most definitely. Um, yes, it has felt like summer and it's been fun to see lines starting to form and never be scared of the line because we crank through the lines pretty fast. But um, yeah, we awarded our first School Hero Award for April. That was really fun. And that was to Mrs. Abair from, I'm blanking, Man's uh, Elementary School. Yeah, where my kids go to school. Oh, they, there you go. Now, they, they, didn't have, uh, they didn't have her as a teacher, but they're familiar with her. Yeah. And that's the first, uh, if people who have not heard about the School Hero Program, go back, listen to the previous podcast. You really break that down. Something you guys uh, are kind of getting a, uh, sort of a, a soft opening to here in uh, the spring, and then that thing's really going to ratchet up once we enter the new school year. So start thinking about those teachers that you want to show that appreciation to, and it's something the kids can uh, definitely be a part of. Yep, kids nominate a school staff member that is kind of their hero who brightens their day. So really fun project that we're working on, and we will award one more of those in May and then kick it off again Start starting in the fall. And there's always the Cash for a Cause program. One of the uh, organizations will be meeting them here in a moment. Uh, but also stop by Ramones because there's always some sweet treats. Uh, the rhubarb crumble, I know, made a return recently. I've already had that twice. Uh, there's always new flavors uh, popping in there. And if somebody shows up and you don't have the flavor they want, all you have to do is ask, and you guys can put it on the list, right? Exactly. We can put it on the list for, for bringing it in maybe for next time or point, point you in the right direction for something else to try. So Absolutely. And uh, yeah, there, there's never any shortage of stuff. And as you and Blaine have both said, uh, there's nothing wrong with just getting the vanilla, which right. people sometimes overlook that. But sometimes you just want a nice, solid base, don't you? That's right. Classic. <laughs> well, you, you brought along a, a great group here. We got a couple of guests with us. I know you're holding the... The, their brochure in front of you. Why don't you introduce us to who we're talking to this week? Sure. Um, this is kind of a fun one for me and for our team. So Cash for a Cause has been going this four years now. We're celebrating in May. And the program is 
really what we're doing with our patrons and our team is we are collecting tips and we are paying them forward to organizations in the community. What's been really fun about it is learning about organizations. So I come from a nonprofit background and thought I knew a lot of the organizations that are operating and helping people in the community. And yet every few months, a new one pops up on the radar that our team finds. So this was our team member, Sarah, uh, designated her tips to Roundtable Revival. And they're here today. Um, and I'm really hoping that if other people don't know about them, they're gonna learn and they're gonna wanna support what they're doing to really help people in the community because it's they're filling a really important um, void, I think, in the community and helping. And I'm going to let them share more about the program and what they're doing. Well, we introduce the, uh, the two uh, people we have here. Who so do we have with us? We've got Don and Kyle joining us this morning. Well, guys, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourselves and the organization? Um, I'll lead off. My name is Don Mowry, and I'm a retired social work professor from UW Eau Claire. I'm also serving on the county board. Um, and I think throughout my career as a social work professional preparing students for a professional practice, um, one area that seemed to be in need of, of um, additional uh, development is the area of, of how we treat people who are being released from jails and prisons, um, the whole area of reentry services. Um, and I learned about a program uh, in New York that was based out of a faith-based organization and was all volunteer um, and I thought we could do that here. Um, started talking to other people, especially people who have experience with the um, lived experience, I think is one term, people who have been uh, affected by the criminal justice system and they had some other ideas and we just decided to come together and form a nonprofit. So it's an emerging nonprofit focused on reentry services um, and trying to get a more comprehensive approach to providing the supports that people need once they get released from jails and prison because they have lots of obstacles. I'm gonna turn it over to Kyle. <clears throat> Thanks, Don. Um, <clears throat> so my name is Kyle Brown and I am from Eau Claire, Wisconsin and I'm one of two people, I believe, on the board that actually has lived experience. I've been out of prison now for two years, and, you know, I come from a background that, where I experienced quite a bit of trauma, so I grew up in a treatment foster home, and like I said, had problems with addiction, and, um, you know, been incarcerated more than once. So I really have a, a really good understanding on, you know, the needs that aren't being met or things that could be done to help people once they are released. Um, because most of the time people getting out of jail or prison are, are starting from zero, from nothing. And myself, um, and a recovering addict, it, when you get out with, um, you know, a whole list of new problems, it's really hard to focus on recovery. Um, it can just really beat you down coming out with absolutely nothing. And, you know, from my experience um, with my addiction and then going to prison, you know, I took classes, um, AODA classes and just general life skills, but there's really nothing that prepares you um, to get out with, with no assistance. So, um, 
you know, when I was asked to get involved with the Roundtable and some other organizations, I was more than willing because for me it's a way to give back to my community. Um, and I've got 15 months sober, and I just really have a, a new appreciation for life. Um, and I, I see a lot of people struggling, a lot of people that were friends or just associates. Um, so, you know, I just, I really appreciate being able to, you know, pass what I found along and anything else I can help people with. It's just something I've done regardless, just because I hate to see people struggle because I'm, I'm really familiar with it. Um, so that's pretty much the reason why um, I was eager to get involved with this organization. I think a lot of people have this image of when somebody comes out of, of prison, and people have seen it in, in movies and TV shows, and this no doubt happens a few times, there, there's, there's a group of people waiting for them, and they, they come out, and uh, it, it's, it's happily ever after. But a lot of times, when they leave jail, there really isn't anywhere to, to go. There, there, is no, there is no purpose, is it? You're free, but there is no structure, correct? Uh, that's very correct, and I'll have Kyle follow up on this question. But um, locally, for example, uh, if you have a release date from the county jail, you can technically leave at 5.30 in the morning. There's nothing open at 5.30 in the morning. Um, and if you don't have uh, friends and family that are supportive, um, and oftentimes it's the, kind of the opposite, they're, they're the that's the kind of environment that if you go back to, you might find yourself again uh, repeating some of the same behaviors that got you in trouble in the first place. So it's not, um, uh, the, one of the, uh, the mental health workers at the county told me that one of her clients rode the bus all day uh, because at least the buses were running at early in the morning and uh, she didn't know where to go, what to do, who to turn to. She didn't want to go back to her home because she knew she'd probably end up um, running around with the same friends and, and uh, beginning to use again. Um, and so it, it's, it's it, and people have been in prison for 40 years. You can imagine they're, they're coming out and they don't know anything about the internet or, <laughs> you know, they're, they're at a loss. They don't have a smartphone. You know, it, it's just a, a totally different new world with lots of obstacles and challenges including things like housing, um, employment. Uh, their employment applications all, often have a box. Do you have a, f a felony conviction? Um, so there's, there's a lot of obstacles in their way. Yeah, when I said you start from zero, it's almost less than because I think I speak for a lot of people that end up breaking the law. It, it's, it gains, you know, drug use, it's not just, you know, you, you did something and you got arrested and you went to prison. It's, it's a downward spiral, and it can be years before, you know, you turn to breaking the law to support your habit or you're just literally out of your mind on drugs. Um, so you lose your any support you really had. Um, and on top of that, so, I mean, that's probably like months or even years on leading up until your arrest and you go in your incarceration. So then the time you're put away, people just really forget about you. I mean, um, some people are fortunate and they have their loved ones stick by them. 
Um, but, you know, before you're incarcerated, you tend to burn a lot of bridges. And, you know, you have family members that realize, hey, maybe they're just enabling. Maybe they got to let you figure it out. But while you get locked up, I mean, me coming, you know, I have children and a girlfriend, and I was fortunate she stuck by my side. But I was, um, my wages paid the bills. So my, she couldn't afford to pay for the house that we had. Um, I couldn't afford to keep up with car payments, so I lost my car, lost my house, which translated into an eviction because um, it was a default judgment entered. I couldn't show up and explain at court anyways. So, um, you know, add that to the new charges. When you get out, your options are pretty limited. Typically, go through a temp service, which, which that, you know, I've been in and out and in and out. So... What I've learned is finding a balance. I mean, people try to make money to get caught up with everything just to even get their license back before they even get a car, then the SR22 insurance um, before you can legally drive. That, I mean, that's extremely hard. Like, you get a job, well, how are you going to get there? Um, so these are things that I've personally struggled with. And... Um, like I said, these jobs at the temp service, they're really demanding. Um, let's say the tire factory right down the road. Uh, it, it's so easy to lose that balance. And also now you're just working all the time. And that's a big trigger for a lot of people. Um, I go to a lot of meetings. I hear a lot of people's stories. I know a lot of people's triggers, including my own. And what I see happen a lot um, is... People will just try to get caught up with their bills, get some money in their pocket, but they just, they work a draining job that's so demanding. And all that leads to is, is them wanting to use substances to cope or get through the work week. Um, you know, little things that we've been looking at, um, you know, maybe things we could provide for people getting out is as simple as rides to work. If somebody knew they had a ride to work, even for the first few weeks until they could get in the door, you know, find somebody to ride share with, um, that could really increases, increase the chance of someone being successful. Because, like I said, I was fortunate. You know, my girlfriend was, was there to help me, but I know so many people that don't have that. Um, a lot of people, once you go in, you know, their significant other is going to move on. So um, I couldn't imagine. I just I really have um, a lot of gratitude. I, my higher power is looking after me because I got help in some really a, a way that I wouldn't have even imagined. Um, a lady from my church had reached out to me, and it really it changed a lot of things. But like I said, I see a lot of people that don't have that, and I, and I try to picture... Um, you know, what that would look like for somebody else. And I couldn't imagine that. I just want to jump in and say, like, it's really powerful what you're sharing. And I think really powerful that you're using it in this avenue. Like, you're involved with this organization. The fact that you have experience and you know what it's like and what other people need, that is huge. So I'm curious, too, who else is involved in the organization startup and, and running it? Um, there were several people involved in the startup and running it. Uh, Susan Wolfgram is a local 
retired uh, educator and, and social worker. Uh, Sarah Ferber, who was another person with lived experience and was um, one of the statewide co-directors of EXPO, um, Ex-Incarcerated People Organizing, I think it stands for. Um, but the overall thrust, once the initial group got together, is we really wanted to come from a foundation of p people with lived experience. So we, it's a round table. We wanted to invite everyone to the table, and we wanted to really value people who had been there um, and, and value the contribution they could give in terms of reaching out to others. So they're on the board of directors, as Kyle mentioned. Uh, we hope to employ them as certified peer specialists. The state has a program that certifies people who go through a one-week uh, training and then pass an exam, and they can get reimbursed for their mentoring or for the time they spend working with other people through Medicaid. So, um, and we'd like to integrate them not only into our organization, but into the whole criminal justice system. Uh, treatment courts, I think, currently employ two certified peer specialists. Um, we think the county could, you know, increase that, the jail could increase that, um, and uh, they're very valuable. And it's an evidence-based model. They work. Uh, you can hear from what Kyle's saying is, it, you know, he's been there. He can really help someone who is facing these challenges, uh, even to the point of saying, this agency is really receptive. This one, not so much. <laughs> sure. You know, where to go for help. Sure. Uh, yeah. You, you kind of touched on uh, it, it, it there, but uh, you know, specifically, what are some, you know, and, and Kyle can jump in, what are some uh, really big reentry services that this area could use at this very moment? Well, I think, like Don said, um, peer support. Um, is a big one. I don't, um, I, I know some people personally that, well, my friend wasn't in, it was in Dunn County, I believe. Matter of fact, he was in jail. He was getting released soon and he had reached out to his agent and um, they just, there wasn't anything available to him. And he was literally discussing with me how he was gonna, his plan was to get out and relapse so he could get put into inpatient treatment and from there receive some help and honestly that's what he did and it's scary when you think about it because um, you know these you can you know pick up a newspaper and you'll likely see an overdose you know in the last couple of weeks so when, when you talk when he was talking to me about it I mean I, I, I could see his plan because so many times is you get that answer well there's nothing available right now or oh we'll let you know or we just don't have the funding and so that's what he did it got him into a sober home and it got him a peer support worker and he made progress but you know that's not how it should go somebody shouldn't have to play with that um their life really um to to receive that kind of assistance so i'm hoping to see uh, that for sure peer support is a big one transportation is is really overlooked a lot everyone thinks the bus can get you to and from work and in other places and um, while I appreciate you know the, the transit system uh, it's just not as flexible there's a lot of people I know that either are not in the right you know the times for the bus route or in on a route so um, that's extremely 
challenging for people. And like I said, some people, I'm pretty resourceful, and a lot of us are. Uh, I think, you know, just some kind of transportation service, even if it was for a couple weeks, I helped like about two people out um, get to and from work to Menards when they had uh, got hired on there, and they found rides from there on. So I still know quite a few people that are paying about $100 a week to get there and back, which that's a lot of money, you know, $400 a month when you're making maybe $15 an hour out there and you're trying to rebuild. That's a, that's a pretty heavy burden for, for someone to take on when, when you're, when you're facing the challenges of reentry and rebuilding. So, um, that's something I think would be really, really beneficial to a lot of people is, is some kind of transportation system. And even if, you know, what, it fell under, you know, some like a peer support person. If somebody were to get signed up with this person, they could be like life coach, peer support, and maybe help that person get, you know, find jobs and get there for the meantime. So, as we start to, to wind down here, uh, we, we've got a few minutes left, but I want to make sure we've got plenty of time for this. Uh, Don, how can people help out? Uh, what what are, you guys are. Just kind of starting off here still, uh, one of the newer nonprofits in the area. What kind of uh, help are you looking for? What are the next steps for you guys? Well, we always need um, funds. And, uh, you know, one thing that we haven't yet been able to do is to um, pay for an annual insurance policy to cover the, the certified peer specialist just as kind of a liability. Um, and, uh, but I think that uh, people can get involved. Uh, this is, uh, we'd like to see this seen as more as a community problem. Um, and that's why we're going to re be recruiting people to be mentors, not just certified peer specialists who are critical, but also people in the community. We're gonna, uh, hopefully, the mentoring program uh, will, would be based out of a, a, a faith-based institution, even their facility. Um, and hopefully, we can ask other uh, groups to get involved by bringing a meal. Um, the mentoring program, once we get established, once COVID lets us, is going to be a once a week, 13 week um, support, three hours a night on Sunday night. Starts out with a meal, social time, storytelling, you know, t sharing your goals and your life experience and what you see for your future. Um, and then an educational presentation on how to, you know, obtain housing or transportation, those critical issues, and then mentoring time. Uh, uh, kind of a circle of support. And we'd really like to get people involved as volunteers because I think that helps to, you know, if you meet Kyle and the only thing you know about him is he's been in prison, you, there's a set of assumptions we all have, and even me. Uh, if you listen to him and find out, well, he's a person, he's struggling just like anyone else. He he's, has a lot of obstacles and um, uh, you can be supportive. I think we're trying to involve the whole community in uh, what we do in terms of reentry. And actually, with that in mind there, Kyle, you, you've been very raw and real here in the course of this podcast. Uh, but as it, it, Don said, you're more than somebody that has spent time in prison. Who, who is Kyle? What, what, what do you like to do? What, uh, what are some of the passions uh, that either you, you've had all your life and you're able to really dive into them again or some of the ones you've picked up since? Yeah, well, I'm a father of four. I have four daughters, um, three that live at home with me. My oldest is 14, and my youngest is nine. Um, you know, 
In my recovery, I really, I think even before, um, I enjoy spending time with my kids. That's what where I spend most of my time. I have two Australian healers that um, when I'm not with my kids, I'm usually with them. Uh, I do have a couple friends, but I really my dogs are my best friends and my kids are too. So um, I like camping and I like uh, going right down the road here to the Lighthouse Youth Center. We do that um, as a family together every week. I got involved volunteering with them um, last summer, and I've got a chance to meet a lot of a lot of kids that are my children's age. So we get games of football and um, basketball, kickball, you name it, right down the street at Hobart Park. Um, and yeah, lately, that's where I spend my time. Um, with my family and my dogs. I was just thinking again, um, one of the things of the podcast and of our Cash for a Cause, we always have a poster with our team member on it and then the mission statement of the organization. Um, And it's really fun for me to let people know, okay, we're supporting the Roundtable Revival. And, uh, you know, I heard it while I was here. Oh, what is that? You know, and and to share with them... um, I mean, it was all positive feedback and great support, but what does that look like for you to keep the awareness building for this organization and how can others maybe help spread, spread the word about what's going on with Roundtable? Um, I think once we are able to, to, to be, begin our programs, it'll be easier because um, then we'll uh, be able to appeal to faith-based institutions, to congregations and churches. And, and uh, you know any publicity we can uh, obtain is always great. And thank you for all your efforts here. I, I, I was not aware, I have to admit, uh, of your you know was it four years of uh, yeah. of, uh, yeah. of of these podcasts and, and 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 the commitment you have to the community. I think it's wonderful. If more businesses had that, maybe you know we would involve more community members, um, and it would be easier to help people who are uh, facing these challenges. Um, and I just have to say something about Kyle, too. I think he has a passion for helping others. I mean, he's, he's not getting paid. He's voluntarily doing things like giving people rides to work until they can find a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a carpool to join, just to help them get their feet on the ground and get established so that they have a better chance of being successful. Before we go, we always end on a, on a sweet note there. Uh, your guys' favorite uh, either ice cream or some sort of uh, frozen dessert option. He's putting you on the spot. <laughs> you have a favorite flavor. I'm a classic mint chip. I always have to yeah. say that yeah. about myself. But um, if you're in in the next couple of weeks, you should try the peanut butter cookie dough. It's really mm. delicious. But I don't know. That's gotten the Montesano kids' uh, <laughs> thumbs up of approval, oh, so you've yeah. got that. Good. <laughs> I think the peanut butter sounds pretty good. I do. I like uh, Heath. I really like Heath. Okay. Let's throw some of that on it. I guess I'm going to have to come and sample Ramon's. I have only, I think, had one ice cream cone here. My favorite ice cream flavor, though, is coffee, and I like it very strong. Oh, okay. um, there's a company in Ithaca, New York, Purity Ice Cream, and they make excellent coffee ice cream. So I'll have to come in and I assume yeah. you have coffee You'll ice cream. You'll have to too. try it, yes. The Bang Iced Latte Da. Okay. And that a scoop of that is supposed to have the equivalent of a Red Bull. 
So oh. <laughs> if, you, if you want That's your caffeine my ice kick, cream. <laughs> come in for that one. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, that'll do it for this week's uh, podcast. If uh, people want more information on uh, Roundtable, Roundtable Revival, where can they go? Uh, we do have a Facebook page. We don't really have an established web page, but they can search for us on Round. I mean, on, on Facebook, sorry. Uh, Facebook, everybody's got that now yeah. anyway. People can find you easily there. Well, Kayla, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.